you, Jesus. Okay, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. I know for quite, quite a while now we've been going through the Gospel of John, but today's going to be a little bit different. For many years, I've been a pastor for 30, for many years um, it's been my personal custom to share uh, on the last Sunday of a year or on the first Sunday of a new year, prophetic insights uh, for the coming year. For various reasons, I moved away from that practice the last couple of years, but I feel like, like now is a good time to go back to it. And so um, before I share, I spent some time with the Lord. Um, I've been listening for a couple of weeks now, but I spent a concentrated time focusing and listening to him yesterday. He gave me a few things. Um, and before I share them with you, let me just do some introduction, uh, my thoughts, a few things concerning visions or prophecy or revelation, just in general. And so um, I see visions. Most of you know this by now. God speaks to me in, in dreams and in visions. He speaks to all of us in many different ways, but one of the ways that he speaks, and one of the ways that he speaks to me is in dreams and visions. And for me, at this stage in my journey, this has become a normal Christianity. Of course, we have, we have a speaking God. The, the Bible is, is documented evidence that we have a speaking God, a God who initiates communication with his people. If that weren't so, we wouldn't have that book. We wouldn't have all the encounters and all the stories. And so for me, this is normal Christianity. For the past 12-plus years now, God's been opening my eyes to see with increasing clarity into the realm of the Spirit. And I've shared the story before. I won't go into detail here. But when I was a child, I could see. I, I, would, have, I would be able to see into the realm of the Spirit. Now, I had no box for it. I had, certainly had no vocabulary for it. I just knew I was like six, seven, eight years old, and I could see things, and I thought everybody could see things. This was just great fun. Um, Except that I, I would go on these amazing adventures when I should have been doing math or English or science. And so I kept getting in trouble all the time. My parents would be trying to get me to pay attention, and I'm, you know, I'm a superhero. I'm doing superhero stuff. There were dinosaurs. It was cool. Why would I want to do math and English and science if I could be a superhero and have my own dinosaur? You would pick. What would you choose, right? So we didn't have any language for it. They called it daydreaming, and I got, you know, I got in a lot of trouble, and they told me daydreaming was bad, and so somehow in my young little head, I just turned it off. I just, okay, so this is not a good thing. I thought it was awesome. And so I just turned it off, and it stayed off for many, many years. But in the last dozen years or so, God has been opening my eyes again at the sea. So for many years, that gift was put on the shelf, but I'm so grateful that, that God is faithful, and that his... His gifts and his call, as scripture says, are without repentance, so they're irrevocable. In other words, if he gives a gift, he doesn't take it back. You ever wondered why you could see some, some people in ministry, and they're amazingly gifted, but they seem to have no character or integrity whatsoever. We, if you've been a Christian for a while, you run across some people like that every once in a while. Right? It's like, holy cow, how could they be such a miserable human being and still the Spirit of God flows through them? Because God's given them a gift, and it's irrevocable. He doesn't take it back. Right? This is why it's so important as we cultivate spiritual gifts, and I think it's important that we do, at the same time that we have a base, a foundation of character and integrity uh, to walk in because well, you know, what a mess it makes. It's terrible when really gifted people have terrible character and integrity. Anyway, that's another story. So God speaks to me parabolically, he speaks to me metaphorically, he speaks to me in pictures and in analogies. My whole life, I've had a keen inclination toward analogies. When we were raising our children, they're old 30 and 32 now, but when they were younger, I would often employ analogies as in those teachable moments of life, something would happen and they'd have a little conversation with dad and dad would use an analogy to try and get my point across, so much so that they would often tease me and call me uh, the king of analogies. They still do it to this day, right? King of analogies, you know, king of the nerds, well, I don't know, something like that. <sighs> so it's not a surprise to me that God, that God would speak my language. He speaks to me in ways that I know it's him. 
See, God doesn't force us to learn His language no more than He forced us to come to Him. What do we celebrate this time of year at Christmas? Is that He came to us. So He speaks our language. He speaks in the ways that He knows that we'll understand Him. That's what good parents do for their children, right? When they're young, we speak their language. Right? We don't use the highest form of vocabulary. We communicate to them in any way that they can get it. Any way that they will get that food. You put it in their mouth, right? This is, this, is what, this is what God does with us. He speaks our language. God speaks tongue. And I'm so grateful for that. So I'm learning to recognize when he's speaking. So over the years, especially the last dozen or so, I've studied my gift and I've practiced using it. And as time has gone on, I've gotten better at interpreting and understanding and making a healthy application to the meanings of the pictures that I see. So in other words, I'm learning how God speaks to me. Now let me say a, a few more things. I'm not, I don't consider myself an expert at this. I'm just a guy on the journey. I figured out a couple of things. I'm happy to share with you what I figured out. The late John Paul Jackson used to say that when it came to revelation of spiritual things, that, that he felt like he was still, still in kindergarten. I'm thinking, man, John Paul, if you're in kindergarten, I must be like a spiritual amoeba in comparison. If he's in kindergarten, I'm on a journey. I've made some progress, and I'm willing to share with you, you know, what I have. So I'm not an expert. I'm not special. God doesn't show me visions because I'm good. He shows me visions because he's good. God doesn't show me visions because I'm special. He shows me visions because he's extraordinary, and he'll talk to anyone who's willing to listen. He shows me visions because he's very kind, and he's rich in mercy. And like any good father, he enjoys speaking with his kids. So over this past week with Christmas, I, I had a chance to spend time hearing from my children. We loved hearing from our kids. They have four time zones away and, I don't know, 3,000 miles or so. It was awesome to get to do a video chat with them on Christmas Day. I spoke to my father on the phone two or three times this week, and he was excited every time I called. Parents enjoy conversations with their children. The Father loves to speak to us. And I can tell you that increased in the last decade or so, a little bit more, the increased communication between God and, and myself, it's enhanced our relationship. Increased communication always enhances a relationship if it's between spouses or siblings or co-workers or friends. If communication is increased, then there's usually a greater depth and breadth to the relationship itself. I've experienced that in my relationship with God. I feel like I know him better. And I feel known by him better. He feels safer. Our relationship feels more intimate because communication has been increased and enhanced. You can see how that would happen, right? I want you to know I love prophetic ministry. I love dreams and visions. For me personally, especially over the last decade or so, they have returned awe and wonder and mystery to what had become for me a rather dry and lifeless academic and intellectual faith. I had, I had so gone over to the, to the extreme of head knowledge only that my only experience of God was off the pages of some dusty books. Now look, I have great respect for academics. If you've ever been to my house, you could see my personal library. I've got vast resources at my disposal that I've, I've benefited from, I've built over the years, but I, I can't say this any more clearly. I am not content to live an academic and intellectual faith only, only. God, listen to me, God didn't come and give us a book. He came and gave us himself. You realize Jesus didn't write a book? Jesus, he could have. Matter of fact, if God wanted to do it that way, Jesus wouldn't have to come at all. He just could have written a book. He sent the commandments, wrote them on the stone with his finger. He could just write another book if he wanted to. But that wasn't his intention. His intention wasn't to, to transmit to us information. His purpose was to have personal, intimate, not information, but intimacy. He wanted an intimate relationship with us. So what did he do? He came himself. Jesus didn't come and give us a book. He came himself and brought himself 
even though man, he need to, needed to limit himself extravagantly and come down to our level. So I'm not content to live my faith just with a book. As great as the Bible is, and I think it's awesome. I want, to, I want to go beyond the book and know him. I want to know the author of the book. I want to, know, I want to get to the destination that the book is leading to. Would you, if you go on vacation, are you satisfied with the map? Right? If you have a GPS in your car, you, I can tell them, honey, we're going to go on vacation. We go, we sit in the car, I put on the GPS. I say, you having a good time? <laughs> She's going to want me to start the car and actually get to the destination. That's what the Bible is. It's our GPS. It's our map. It's leading us somewhere. It's leading us to someone, to him. And that's what I want. I just don't want the information from the book. I want the author of the book. Amen. I think that's been his desire all along. I want to know God himself intimately and personally and experientially. And as a result, as this change, this shift, this differences come to my life in the last 12 or so years, God, has, God seems bigger to me now. He's the, he hasn't changed. I'm the one who's changed. But with the return of all wonder and mystery, God is bigger. So much bigger than when I was younger and I knew everything. He didn't seem very big then. He didn't need to be. I had all the answers. Or at least I thought I did, right? Everything fit in its nice little box. And if it didn't fit in its box, I would jam it in there and tape that sucker shut so it would fit in the box. Until my boxes fell apart. And I needed God again. Because all my information didn't satisfy. But with the return of awe and wonder and mystery, God's increased. And I've decreased. And that's a good thing. I tell you, personally, I will embrace this theology that makes God bigger and more powerful while making man smaller and less powerful. I will embrace that theology. And I will hold suspect any theology that somehow tries to make man bigger and more powerful while attempting to make God seemingly smaller and less powerful. That's a red flag to me. God's bigger than we could ever possibly imagine. And when we have to contain him or think we can control him and somehow put more of the power on our side than his side, we're deceived. We're confused. So, as a result, I've grown comfortable not having all the answers. I can't tell you how liberating it is to be able to look at somebody and say, I don't know. I'll try and find out, but right now, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery. And it helps me to trust God, and it helps keep me humble. And I've discovered that humility is my friend. I could use some more of it. Now, when it comes to sharing revelation, I can tell you frankly that I struggle with it. I struggle sharing dreams and visions and revelation. I know over the history of my journey, there are times I've shared too much out of pride, and there are other times I've shared too little out of pride. There are times I've, I've, taken, I've taken some huge hits from people who call themselves my brothers and sisters, personal attacks for sharing some of the, the revelation God's given to me. And that has, at times, caused me to shrink back from sharing. I'm, I'm just being real here. I'm just a regular guy, you know. But I'm not going to, I don't want to shrink back today. I'll do my best to just share. Okay, so how I like to share. Anybody here remember being in school and learning to do long division? Right? Everybody's like, oh, that was horrible, right? Bad memories. You had terrible flashback. I can remember as a little kid, we'd have to do long division, and somehow I could look at the equation, I could figure it out in my head. I don't know why, just the way I was wired, and I could just write down the answer. I can remember, remember distinctly taking a test and just writing in all the answers. But it was long division. I came back and I failed the test. But I argued with the teacher. I said, all the answers are right. She said, I want to see the work. I want to see the process. She said, how do I know you didn't go look at somebody else's Test and just copy the answer. So I could do it in my head. That's great. Show me on paper. Oh. And so she wanted to see how I got there. So when it comes to sharing revelation, I, gotta, I have a gift mix of both pastoral and prophetic. And so I want to share the revelation, but I want to pastor it as I do it. 
And so, honestly, it, my, my journey, my reputation, it would be so much easier and so much cleaner if I would just say, uh, if I would just give out the end product, if I just put the answers on the paper and then tell people, this is how I got from here to there. I saw this thing and I knew it meant that. And so, thus and so, this is how I interpreted it to you know, be, boom, this. Because it's the, it's the explaining of the process that has freaked people out. What do you mean you've seen the color orange and you know that it meant perseverance and that that's going to relate it to, you know, whatever the context of the picture? Because, well, this is what I studied. But you're freaking me out with the color orange. If I had just said to them, look, I think difficult times are coming and perseverance is going to be necessary to get through it and give them a Bible verse, they'd have been, you know, they'd have been happy. They'd have been really happy. It would make my life a whole lot easier to do that. It would be vastly less risky on my part to just share the conclusions, just to give the answer and not show all the work. I sense, I believe that God wants to do thus and so in the coming year. Or this is my plan. I can even put it that way. This is my vision for ministry in 2016. And the vast majority of people, they'd be fine with that. But here's my problem with doing that. It doesn't help you hear from God for yourself. The reason why Jesus came is so that you and him can have a relationship. You don't need me. If I'm doing my job right, I work myself out of a job. Because you don't need to come to God from me. You can go directly to him. So I just share with you how I get what I get so that maybe you'll figure out how to get what you get for yourself too. I want to help you hear God for yourselves. And one of the ways I can do that is to share not only what I see, but how I see it. I actually want to help demystify hearing from God. I do. I want to share all the tricks, all the secrets I've learned, all the things I've learned from other people who could hear from God that have helped me hear from God. Why? Because if I give the information away to you, you'll be able to hear from God. And no matter what I tell you, if you can learn how to hear from him, that's, that's the better portion. And so I risk, and I'll, I'll do some of that today. So why do I do that? Because hearing from God is not something reserved for some spiritually elite class of people. All of God's children can communicate freely with their Heavenly Father. For far too long, in my humble opinion, the church has embraced an Old Testament model for prophetic ministry, when the Spirit of God occasionally rests upon a few. That's not the way the game is played today. Today, the, the Spirit of God lives inside of me, and he lives inside of you. We can all receive communication from him. And so to help people with that, I not only share what I get, but how I get it. With this hope that it will help you discover the ways that God speaks you. And he speaks your language. So one, one final thought by way of introduction, then I'll, I'll share a revelation. I, when I do this, and I don't do it very often, if you've been in the Charlottetown Vineyard for a while, I've spent a year and a half preaching on the Gospel of John, so I don't do prophetic messages very often, but today is one of those days. So when I do it, I want to assure you that I try to be as integral as possible when I share these things. I try not to embellish or diminish in any way what God reveals to me. What, uh, I give you what, what I get as simply and as clearly as I can. And I can tell you, I've been criticized in the past uh, if the prophetic insights I share lack specificity. Right? Well, there wasn't enough detail. You should have had dates or places or something. It was too general. That could mean anything. And I'm like, and I've tried to say, I can only give you what I get. You want me to make stuff up? I mean, what do you want me to do? You know, want me to hang decorations on it? I can only give what I get. You know, I learned a long time ago, prophetic ministry. Remember the old Hamburger Helper commercials, right? Hamburger Helper doesn't make prophetic ministry better. It doesn't help to add filler. So I don't. I would rather give you something that's less specific but more accurate than try and make up the details just so I look better. As it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, For now, 
We see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. Or as it says in the King James Version, version through a glass darkly. I, I share what I get. No more and no less. I don't get perfect revelation. I don't have crystal clear clarity in revelation. It's still a leap of faith for me every time I do this. Every time. And, and please don't be shocked. Sometimes I miss it. I do. But if you're going to take risks, sometimes it's going to hit. And sometimes it's going to miss. It's the only way we learn. It's the only way we get better. So I think my average is getting better as I go along. But it's not perfect. But I am willing to put myself out there to share with you what I believe God's graciously given to me. So with that long introduction, <laughs> let me get on to the insights I have for 2016. So I've been asking the Lord to speak to me concerning the coming year. And, and there were three areas of focus. Lord, speak to me about Charlottetown Vineyard. Speak to me about Prince Edward Island, and speak to me about beyond Prince Edward Island. And he did. Now, a couple of thoughts about um, concerning 2016 in general. Now, I know for myself the number 16 is personally significant. I was born on February 16th. And so that means something to me. It may not mean anything to you, but it means something to me. And I know according to the, the training I've had in biblical dream interpretation, I know that the number 8 represents new beginnings, and that the number 16 represents established new beginnings. I can't take time to unpack all that now. If you have questions about it, we could talk about that another time, or you can attend one of the classes I teach. So 8 means new beginnings. 16 means established new beginnings. For me personally, the year 2016 marks 40 years as a Christian, and 40 is a biblical number. Things change after 40-year cycles. Exactly, 40 days, 40 nights, um, 40 years. And according to the Hebrew calendar, we're in a year of Jubilee. For me, I look at all those little pieces together, those little puzzle pieces together, and I'm thinking some good stuff's going to happen in 2016. Now, a good friend of mine, prophetic minister I've known for a long time, named Doug Addison, on December 7th, he put online um, an encouraging prophetic uh, word for the new year titled, Love, Hope, and Joy Being Released Now. And I posted it on the church's Facebook page so that you guys can easily find it. I think I posted it there yesterday. All of it's powerful, and I encourage you all to take some time and to read it. I think you'll find a few different pieces of it will really encourage you. Um, Doug is one of the prophetic voices that I respect because he gets the revelation part and the love part right. Too many prophetically gifted people, they get the revelation part right, but somehow they miss the love part. Doug puts both of those pieces together. Another one who does it really well and puts those pieces together is a friend by the name of Sean Boltz. He gets the prophetic and love part right. So anyway, Doug puts out this article. It's really good. Um, and one line, and it stuck out to me personally, I wanted to share it with you. Doug is speaking of a new move of God coming in the next year. And this is one of the one of the lines he wrote, he says, many people who are going to be part of this next movement have been rejected and wounded and have been in a seven-year wilderness season since 2008. But God has hidden them for this very time to come forward. I'm going to read that again. He said, many people who are going to be part of this next movement have been rejected and wounded and have been in a seven-year wilderness season since 2008, but God has hidden them for this very time to come forward. I read that and I said, boom, i got to write to Doug. And it was nice. We hadn't spoken in a while. We were able to share some encouraging emails back and forth. So some of us have been dealing with stuff, hard stuff, since 2008. And I think, I think Doug's right. I think all of that's going to change in 2016. So just in sharing that, how many of you can look back seven years in your life and say, hey, there's, there's hard stuff even now that I'm still dealing with that had its genesis back then? Well, there's a few of you. Well, be encouraged. There's hope in 2016. I would say it this way. I think there's going to be justice in 2016 
but the injustices that you experienced back in 2008. I think this is one of the things God's saying to us now. This is one of the bits of revelation he given to me. I think there's going to be justice in 2016 for the injustices of 2008. God's faithful. He doesn't forget. So for the Charlottetown Vineyard, this is what I saw. I saw changing seasons. Now I know that some people prefer one season over another. But really, no season is better than another. They all serve their purpose. They all serve the greater good. My sense has been that uh, the Charlottetown Vineyard is in a winter season. And it's good. It's a quiet time. It's a, it's a peaceful time internally. We have the love of family and friends as a, as a church community uh, to comfort us. And we have the fire of the Holy Spirit uh, to keep us warm. But my sense is that uh, the seasons will change. We are going to go through a, a change from the winter season to springtime. I believe that there's a sudden jolt or a shaking, maybe you want to call it a shift, that will be the mark of the changing seasons. And what did that, how did I know that? What did that look like? This is me now going to explain how I see what I see. So the picture I seen at first was this. I saw a short line, and then I saw a jagged line, and then I saw a long line. A short line, a jagged line, almost like earthquake, but not, not as dramatic as an earthquake. But that's the picture that you see. Short line, shaking, and then a long line. I knew that was us. I was asking God to show me us, and that's the picture he gave me. So as I pressed in and I paid attention, I knew that we're in a short winter season right now. And that a shaking is going to come. And the shaking is what's going to mark the changing of a longer season. And that's a good thing. So that's how we'll know. I knew that this shaking would mark the, would mark the time. I felt like God's given us a song for the year, and I sang this song this morning. We will not be shaken by Hillsong. Right? The chorus goes, for we trust in our God, and through his unfailing love, we will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. This is my sense. Things all around us may shake, but we will not be shaken. We may see the earthquake mark the time of change happening around us in the arena in which we live. And I don't know specifically what it is. If I did, I would tell you. But even though the circumstances around us may shake, we ourselves will not be shaken because our trust is in God. So that's going to be our song for the year. So for a time, for a short time, I believe that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And that the shaking will mark the changing seasons. And it will be a sign to us, listen, when the shaking comes, it's a sign to us that winter is over. And that's a good thing. So I think what's going to happen in the springtime is like seedlings being taken from a greenhouse will be taken to a garden. Will be taken from inside to outside. Will experience a replanting so that we can grow into our full of purpose. See, this is what, how did I get that? Well, what happens? What changes from winter to spring? Well, what's being grown inside now grows outside. And I think that's what we're going to see in the coming year. When that shaking comes, we're going to know that our focus needs to change from inside to outside. And what happens when you take seedlings from a greenhouse and put them out into a garden? They have much more room to grow. The roots can go deeper. They can be exposed to the power and the light and the life of the sun. And I think that's what God's going to do to us in the springtime. Why? So that we can bear fruit. Lasting fruit, fruit that'll abide. So I think in practical terms, this new springtime, when it comes, will take us outside the four walls of the church. I know, that sounds pretty good to me. So along with the song for the year, I feel like God's given us a verse for the year, and that's John 15, verse 5. Very familiar to most of you, I'm sure. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The Charlottetown Vineyard is a branch of Jesus. We're, he's divine, and we are one of his branches. Our purpose for 2016, the purpose for the Charlottetown Vineyard in 2016 is this. It's to remain in him 
and much fruit will be the result of our remaining in him. Now listen to me. This is very important. We don't want to mess this part up. Our purpose is not to produce much fruit. That would be, that would be a terminal mistake. Our purpose is not to produce much fruit. Our purpose is to remain in him. It's his job to produce fruit. Our job is to stay connected to the vine. The fruit only comes from the vine through the branch, and then there's fruit, right? Our job isn't to somehow try and produce the fruit. That comes from the roots up through the plant, out through the branch, only if the branch is connected to the vine. Much fruit is the overflow of remaining. Our purpose is to remain in the vine. I like the way the Passion Translation takes verse 5 of John 15. It says, I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you're powerless. Can you see that? Isn't that a great way of saying that same verse from John chapter 5? Our purpose is this is to stay connected to that life source, who is him. And the result of it, the overflow of it, the fruit of it will be fruitfulness in our lives. So the call of God on Charlottetown Vineyard for 2016 is to live in union with God as our source. How will we know that we've, that we've satisfactorily answered that call? Fruitfulness will stream from within us. That will be the result of it. So as the shaking will mark the beginning of spring, I believe that harvest will be the mark of the next season following it. Okay? So that's what I've seen so far for Charlottetown Vineyard. Two other things for, for us. I saw an old book. I, I actually saw in the spirit a picture of an old book. It's like this old book was being taken up off the shelf. Big, thick, heavy old book. Old, dusty. And the book was being slowly opened. And I could tell, even as dust came off the book, it was a dictionary. It was an old dictionary, and it opened up to the word church. And I could see a hand with a pencil, and, it's and the eraser comes, and it's erasing the definition of the word church. And then it takes the point of the pencil and writes in a brand new definition. I think that was the hand of God. So I believe God's going to begin redefining what church is for most of us, in 2016, some very old defining ways are passing away, and God's doing something new. Now, for some of us, this process, this redefining has already started. But for many others, of all the change that's coming, I think this might be the, the biggest thing. It might be the biggest shift of all. And then I saw one more thing for us. I saw a picture of a room filled with children. It was a pretty good-sized room, maybe a quarter of the size of the room we're in. And I was kind of like looking from the top down. And the room was filled with kids. It was filled with kids, and it was filled with, um, it was filled with creativity. There was lots of energy. And every one of the children, and they looked like, I don't know, kindergarten age, or maybe first grader. It kind of looked like, a, like an after-school center kind of thing. And every one of the children were engaged in some kind of artistic creativity. Some were, were, were playing with clay, others it was paints. Some were elbow deep in glitter and glue. <laughs> Room was a huge mess. Some kids were working on tables, some were working on the floor, some had easels, others it was just stuff like pasted on the walls. I couldn't tell you what color the floor was. There was so much stuff going on. And, so, and these kids are having a blast, right? Just absolutely having a blast. And there are no grown-ups around. Not one grown-up in sight. Just a bunch of kids having a blast. Every kid was playing. And they were all having a good time. That was the picture I seen. So what does that mean? Well, one of the first things that comes to mind for me is this. John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, of which we're a part, used to say, everyone gets to play. Right? Everyone gets to do this stuff. Everyone gets to play and be engaged in the things that God's doing. And that's what I think it means. That everyone's going to get to do as much as they want to do in whatever, um, what's the term? Whatever, whatever expression, medium, whatever medium they want to use to play with, 
everyone gets to play. So I think it certainly means that. But I also think it was the picture saying that there's a release of spiritual creativity coming. That anyone who wants to play can play. It'll be different for each of us. It'll be messy. And it'll be great fun. And that God himself was overseeing the class. He was the one watching the children. It wasn't like they were unattended. He was attending them. And he didn't seem one bit concerned about how messy or disorganized or crazy that room was. His full attention, his full joy and delight was on the children and not on the mess they were making. His delight was in the fact that they were being creative because the children were acting like their father, the creator. Right? The first way God reveals himself to us in scripture is as creator. In the beginning, God created. That's the first introduction that we have to him. And I believe that there is something of the, the nature of the creator that's going to be released in 2016. And that that nature that's in the Father will be expressed through the children. And I think for some it's going to be great delight. It's going to be amazing fun. And I think this is good news. I think that those who can more freely embrace childlikeness are going to be the ones who enjoy this expression of God in our midst the most. So that's what I saw for the Charlottetown Binion. I asked the Lord to speak to me about, about PEI, about Prince Edward Island. And I think just as, um, and he, showed me, he spoke two things to me. First, about the church on PEI, meaning not just our church, but the whole church on PEI. And he spoke to me about the government at PEI. And so I think just as 20, 2015 marked a profound shift in provincial leadership on PEI, I think 2016 will mark a profound shift in church leadership on PEI. This is what I saw. I think in 2016, we're going to see old churches close and new churches open. We're going to see some churches split and other churches merge. I think we'll see leadership and people will shift from one place to another. And when this happens, it's going to be the, it's going to be the inclination of people to blame or to praise other men for it. If you're happy with the way things are going, um, you'll, you'll praise people. Oh, look at what you know, Pastor so-and-so did. Oh, they'll blame them. Oh, look at what Pastor so-and-so did. But in truth, whether people are happy or unhappy about it, my sense was this, that all of the activity, if it's churches opening or closing, churches splitting or merging, leadership shifting from place to place, it's all God. It's His hand at work. It's so much less the hand of people at work, but more the hand of God at work. And he wants us to know that up front. It's all his activity. He's helping us to fulfill our collective calling and purpose, which is to live in union with him. His ways are not our ways. They really are much higher and much better. Now, I've been seeing this, this picture for the past few years, and it's, and it's often taken this shape, like, puzzle pieces being set in place, like a big puzzle on a table. And, and puzzle pieces are being shifted and moved until everything sits in its place. I think God's continuing in that process here on PEI. And it's, it's part of his grand design. It's part of the, the big picture, the great picture that he has for us. I think in 2016 that prophets are going to visit Prince Edward Island. I think there'll be true prophetic voices and false prophetic voices that are going to come to our, to our island in the next year. I think a religious spirit is going to cause people to tenaciously cling to the false prophets and passionately oppose the truth. A religious spirit will do that. But um, the word of the Lord to us today is this. And I, feel, I don't ever use that terminology. It's so rare. But I really feel that, that, that level of strength and weight on it. The word of the Lord for us here today before any of these prophets arrive, is this. Look for love. Look for love. In my humble opinion, the day of the angry prophets is over. That true prophets in this hour will be ambassadors of hope and messengers of love. If it's not loving, it's not God. So when prophets come to the island, and we'll hear about them because I'm friends with the pastors who are most likely to bring those people in, when they come and when we go and visit and when we listen to them, look for love. Look for love. If it's loving, it's God. 
If it's not loving, there's a really good chance it's not God. I believe along with that, that love is the plumb line for 2016. You guys know what a plumb line is? Plumb line, it's a weighted cord, right, used in construction to check the, the vertical, check vertical structures, making sure that they're true. Symbolically, a plumb line refers to, to the divine standards of God. I believe that for Prince Edward Island, the plumb line of 2016 is love. Some will call gifted men and women of God the plumb line. Others will claim that it's this scripture verse or that scripture verse. That's the plumb line. Others will say that the plumb line is the presence or the absence of signs and wonders. I believe God's telling us here and now that he is love and that love alone is the plumb line. God's divine standard for Prince Edward Island 2016 is this. It's love. And then God spoke to me about the government, the provincial government on PEI. Now, i got to confess, I know almost nothing about the politics of PEI. I'm just blissfully uninformed. But this is what I sensed in the spirit. I sensed that the king, the queen, and the prince hate each other. And that the king and the prince, though they jealously despise one another, will join together in their hatred for the queen and rise up against her. And the queen will crush them both. I believe that this is a prophetic warning for the counties of Prince Edward Island. Specifically for King County and Prince County. You underestimate the queen at your peril. The verse God gave me is this, James 3.16. It says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is discord and every evil thing that the queen is vastly better at this game than the king or the prince are. So I'm not rooting for the queen. I have no dog in this hunt. I'm just telling you what I see. I think provincial government's going to be very messy in 2016 and that our governmental leaders desperately need our prayers. That was what I sensed for it. That might make more sense to some of you guys than it did to me, but that's what I got. And then I asked the Lord to speak to me beyond Prince Edward Island. He did. He spoke to me about Canada and the United States and about China. For Canada, he showed me a few things. i got to tell you, in recent years, it's been very rare that God would speak to me concerning national or international affairs. Most of the time, when God speaks to me, and even the most profound visions, when he speaks to me, it's about our personal relationship. So I was a little bit surprised that he showed me some other things. But he did for this year. So at one point, it was like I was, I was up in space and I was looking over the entire nation of Canada. And across the nation, I could see little maple leaves kind of dotting you know, across from, from coast to coast. I don't even want to put a number on it, but they were, they were dotting the landscape. And so like you can only do in a dream or a vision, I kind of zoomed in to look more closely at what these maple leaves were. And I could see much to my dismay that these, these are actually bloodstains. And I've, my sense was that the blood of Canadian citizens would be spilled on Canadian soil. That that's what these maple leaves represented. And that we ought to pray that this doesn't happen. I believe that this picture was saying that, that terrorists will strike Canada in the next year. And that it's because of our alliance with the United States. That from the terrorist perspective, their thinking is this, the friend of my enemy is my enemy. So it may not be anything that the nation of Canada chooses to do independently of you know, its own will, but because we're the friends of the United States, what the terrorists are called the great Satan, that we would be attacked because of our friendship. And that their purpose is twofold, to punish Canada for her friendship with the United States, and to divide and conquer, to try and drive a wedge between these two great nations. That I have love and respect for both. So that's what God showed me about Canada. Why did he show me that? Because it's going to happen? He wants us to get freaked out now before it does happen? No. Lord shows things to prophetic people so that we can pray that it doesn't happen. And I think that that's why he showed me that picture for Canada. For the United States, the Lord showed me that there's a huge political shift coming to 2016. 
they're going to move from the far left to the far right, really 180 degrees opposite of what we saw here in Canada in 2015, where we made a huge shift from the right to the left. And for the United States, as harmful as the swing left has been for them for the last seven years, I feel like this far right swing is going to be even more damaging. So please pray for the United States and her leaders. As connected as we are, what happens there impacts us here. I think that there are very dark days ahead for the United States. And people need to have their eyes open so they can see. They can help lead the way. She'll need people. The United States is really going to need people with eyes they can see. I think for 2016, that Pharaoh will desperately need a Joseph. The Pharaoh is going to need a Joseph. So pray that God will give dreams to people in positions of power and then provide people like Joseph to not only interpret those God-given dreams, but offer godly wisdom for troubling times. I think that these Josephs who will rise up in 2016 are some of the very people that Doug Addison wrote about, those who suffered injustice since 2008, just as with Joseph. What men planned for evil, God can use for good in the lives of these people who, who've been in a wilderness season for seven years or so. That God will raise them up in this hour to be just the, the men and women that God needed in cru crucial places at crucial times. And then God spoke to me about China. My sense that while the world is distracted with the military muscle flexing to come between the United States and Russia over the Middle East, China will actually be the greatest danger to world peace and global financial stability. Revival in China can shift the scales of power and again take what the enemy has planned for evil and use it for the purposes of God. Use it to bless and to build instead of to curse and to destroy. So just as we need to pray for the nation of Canada and for the United States, we need to pray for a revival in China. Because that'll be the thing that shifts the scales. And so remember this. <clears throat> what God's shown me, you know, on the grander scale, is that I think 2016 is going to be rough for, for a lot of places in the world. But remember this, we're not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. This world, it's not our home. I think concerning world's affairs in 2016, God's word to you and I is this. From John 16, 33, Jesus says, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Guys, what... We will not be shaken. Whatever goes on around us, and I think that there will be places in the world where things will be shaken, you do not have to be shaken. I don't have to be shaken. We don't have to be shaken because we stand on the rock. The rock that's sure. The rock that's unshakable. Greater is the Holy Spirit that's in you, that's in me, than any of the evil that's at work in the world around us. Our trust in God for we trust in our God, right? <clears throat> and through his unfailing love, we will not be shaken. As we trust in him, he'll take us through any storm, if it's local, provincial, international. So these revelations are not given to promote fear or to somehow make me seem impressive to you, but rather to prepare us and to remind us that our God is stronger and that he really can do all things. So in summary, for 2016, I think it'll be a year of new beginnings, of divinely established new beginnings, and that for many, there will be justice in 2016 for the injustices of 2008. For the Charlottetown Vineyard, I think there'll be a shaking that marks changing seasons for us, that there'll be a shift from a winter season spiritually to a springtime season. That our song of the year is we will not be shaken, that our verse for the year is John chapter 15, verse 5, that our purpose is to remain in him and our calling is to live in union with God as our source. That we'll see in the coming year that there's going to be a redefining, a redefinition 
of what church is from God's perspective. And that there'll be a release of divine spiritual creativity in our midst. For Prince Edward Island, for the church, my sense is that there would be a shifting leadership of the church of Prince Edward Island, that the prophets are coming, and that the plumb line is love. And that for the, the government, the secular government on PEI, that the king and the, and the prince will rise up against the queen, and that the queen's going to crush them. Very messy time for provincial government on Prince Edward Island in 2016. Beyond that, <clears throat> for Canada, pray for our protection against terrorism. Pray for a healthy friendship to continue between the nations of Canada and the United States. For the U.S., I felt like we needed to pray for the upcoming presidential elections and that we pray that God would raise up Josephs who can come alongside pharaohs. Pray for a true revival across the nation of, of China and that we would be men and women who would keep our, our hope and our trust uh, firmly in God. And that everything around us uh, may be shaken uh, we will not be shaken. <clears throat> so let's pray. Lord, thank you for how kind you are and, and that you're willing to speak to us. And I pray, Lord, that you, would, uh, that you would encourage your people. That you give them eyes to see, Lord. Give them ears to hear. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, I pray that you would release hope and supernatural peace. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. My sense is that the Lord would have, have you know that when he looks at you, this is his heart, this is his mind, that you are like uh, the Israelites in the promised land. And that even before they got there, that when the plagues hit Egypt, that his people were covered because they were his people. So fear not. As God deals with the nations of the earth, and as those nations are shaken, remember this. You're not of this world. Your home is not this place. That his promise to you is this, that he will never leave you or forsake you. That he's tenaciously faithful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And that in a moment, in an instant, he can calm the storm and take you and your whole family all the way to the other side. Let's stand together and, and let's close with uh, let's close with we will not be shaken. <clears throat>